Welcome to the Author Blur Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Maynard. I'm an author. I enjoy talking to other authors. If you've been watching this show, you kind of get where I'm going with this. So it's all about trying to connect you, the readers, the listeners, whoever is here listening and hearing the sound of my voice or possibly watching me, to other authors, to authors that you can enjoy and authors that you can connect with and find stories that you want to read, listen to the audio, however you can. So with that being said, I'd like to say that today I'm speaking with Fanus Wolby Gabriel. And if I mispronounce it or sound kind of funny, I'm horrible with foreign languages and last names especially. I'm surprised I haven't had more people say things in all truth, but I try. And most of all, I try to make sure that the conversations overall are enjoyable and informational, gives you everything you need to decide if you want to get to know the authors better. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the conversation I have with Fenus. We had a great conversation. She had a lot of insight and information. Her book on immigration mental health is phenomenal. It's not strictly set for just in people that are immigrants, but the mental health issue that she faced coming from an immigrant family. And I think it would be a valuable tool for people that want to know more or find more insights to be able to help themselves. So with that being said, enjoy the show. But before I let you go on to the show, remember authorblurb.com, the website, has all the profiles, articles that they write. They have different things that they give me. You can sometimes see profile pictures of books that the authors send me where they sign it. And I try to show you guys that I do get these books. So with that being said, go to the website. You can find where the show is being played at if you don't want to play it on the website. I don't understand why you wouldn't. But you can also watch it on YouTube, Rumble. And I imagine there's a few other places that I'm just not thinking of as well. So with that being said, go check it out. Check it out after the show, however you prefer. But one thing I do want you to do is tell other people. That's the first and foremost thing that helps us grow. And the more we grow, the more authors that I can give you. So please enjoy it. Share it. Rate me. Tell people about me. Anything is a great thing, and I appreciate all of it. So thank you very much. I'm here with... Fanus, and we're discussing her book, and it's it's dealing with mental ill mental forgive me it's mental illness with immigration, and you know instead of me going in and trying to explain because it is a very in depth subject and very very personal as well from what the reviews on your book says can you go in and tell me a bit about yourself about the book, and then we can go into discussing it a bit more. Sure. Thank you so much, uh, Eric. Thank you for having me. Um, it's, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, share my story. Um, here is uh, my book. This is a print copy. <laughs> it's uh, Immigrants and Mental Health. And the subtitle is One Woman's Spiritual Journey Towards Healing. And it's, it's my personal uh, healing journey. I was born in Khartoum, Sudan. And my family and I immigrated here when I was 18 months old. I like to tell people I was born and raised in Chicago because I don't remember anything about, about Sudan. Right. But <laughs> I've been in Chicago all my life. And um, in this book, I, I go into detail about 
my mom who, who had schizophrenia and who still has it and, and is medicated, but um, how her illness affected me throughout my various milestones in life, um, through elementary school, high school, college, beyond, and how I depended, uh, developed a codependent condition, um, anxiety. Um, I kind of didn't know I was living with generational trauma. And so this book, I gave birth to this book during COVID. <laughs> Actually, um, staying at home, um, felt like I had ants in my pants. I was forced to kind of reckon with my thoughts. It was a very uncomfortable period for me, but I leaned into it. Uh, I can save the details uh, for your um, upcoming questions, but that's how the, the book came about. Um, it came out through COVID. Uh, I come from an immigrant background myself. And the reason I wrote this book is, is, is at first, I always wanted a book to read that had uh, mental illness from an immigrant perspective because there's the culture and the language barriers that I've never felt were expressed in other books. And then also writing this book was a healing process for me. I felt like layers <laughs> of hurts and trauma and I actually feel like I have a new life. Writing this book was just, gave me a new meaning to life and a new mindset. All right. So, so from what I understand, you came here as an infant or a little baby. Yes. So now, your parents immigrated here, and when they did so, I imagine, did they speak English, or were they just diving into the culture, trying to learn it as they came over? Yeah, it was a little bit of both. So my, my parents, they fled their home country, which was Ethiopia, who had a famine and a civil war, and went to a second country, Sudan, and that's where I was born. And there, as they were being processed to come to the U.S., my mom says that there were like English classes and American cultural classes that they were taking so that when they arrived here, everything would not be so new. But it was definitely new. They were grown adults who spent most of their lives speaking, you know, one or two other languages. Mm -hmm. So there, there's the cultural shock and then there's the, the, the trauma of war and poverty and death that they brought with them who we... <laughs> actually inherited and not knowing. And so that's what I talk about in this book. Um, it may be from an immigrant's perspective, but we all carry a generational trauma. And then I, I like to say in this book also that, you know, this great country is a melting pot. Everyone has an immigrant background. Um, right. I met a neighbor who whose mom was French and dad was Hungarian. You know, it's just, this is a melting pot. Everyone has a, a story about where their family came from. And unfortunately, we, we not only take the good looks and, and uh, hair from our, our family, but also <laughs> the emotional trauma, you know, and the passage to America sometimes is, is it, it, it's brutal. It, it comes with a lot of loss and sacrifice. And so we carry all that on a daily basis and, and it seeps out into work and social life and family and marriage. And until we can name it and kind of detox ourselves from it, it, it plays out in, in really, really um, difficult ways. All right. So let me ask this. And if I'm going overboard with the questions, please let me know. So because I don't want to push anywhere I don't belong. But so coming from an immigrant family, you most likely in I think in the information you sent me in your profile on authorblurb.com, you said that you were in uptown Chicago, which is a very diverse, very people from all over the world, not just your culture or your parents' culture, yeah. but all sorts. So with that being said, the 
you've had experience dealing with all different sorts of cultures that blended into yours. Your parents, like I can promise that my wife, she's from China. She has her her tradition, her way of things and how she grew up doing stuff. So, and me, I grew up in the Midwest of Ohio or the middle of Ohio, basically. And it's a lot different than the different ways that she grew up. So mm-hmm. we bring our differences together and basically raise the kids and hope that we don't strangle each other most days. <laughs> With that being said, what is it, in your opinion, from your family, they're bringing their, like you said, their traumas and things like that. Do you think it was something that was passed through the parents in the sense of my parents are showing me this, they're dealing with this, so I inherited because of that? Or do you think it was something else? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a really good question. Um, I I didn't even know to, to name it as generational trauma until 2020. So I'm now going back into my youth, trying to transcribe what happened to get a better understanding. So mm-hmm. I think they didn't show us the trauma, they carried it. So mental illness is just such a taboo subject, not mm-hmm. only in, 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 in immigrant communities, but just across the world globally. Um, people with mental illnesses are seen as crazy, uh, weak, or you know, possessed by the devil. And with the immigrant community, you never show signs of weakness. You are not allowed to slow down. You had to show how fortunate you were to be in America, and so you worked extra hard to kind of uh, show this this image of of a strong working American. And I think that even now being a parent, I think that's that's the kind of trauma that you enforce on your kids because you're telling them that you have to always be perfect by not telling them you have to be perfect by just showing that you can't slow down and you can't, you can't show signs of weaknesses and you don't really show your emotions. Um, now as a parent, I look at it as I have to be able to slow down. I have to be able to show that there are work life balances, that we have feelings, that it's okay to express your feelings. It is not a sign of weakness. So if I go back in my childhood, which as you said, uptown is an amazing area, very diverse. Um, you know, I met so many people that have been through a lot of stuff, but we never talked about what we actually went through. You know, the wars that we went through, um, the nightmares that people are having, um, not having uh, um, a licensed mental therapist in the community to kind of talk people through that post-traumatic stress, not having those things and not growing up around those things enabled me to become an adult and not even know that something was wrong with me. I understand. Yeah. So with that, then... What is your book focusing on in the sense of where does it start? What are you trying to guide people into to get you understanding the whole mental illness issues and the recovery and lessons learned that are in your book? Where does it start with? Where does it lead people into? Where do we go with it? Yeah, it it, it goes, it starts with self and just allowing yourself to kind of slow down Um and not believing that being uh, taking time for yourself and, and, and practicing self-care or mindfulness activities is not a selfish 
thing to do. I use a, a proverb here, um, it's Ethiopian proverb in Tigrinya, it's haba ikosulu haba ikosu. The rough English uh, translation is uh, the one who hides his wound is also hiding his cure. So right. that's a big theme in the book. I mentioned that proverb actually brought me out of my shell. So just not only self-care, not only sitting with yourself, but actually asking yourself, what, what wounds do I have that I'm just numbing myself with social media, comfort food, uh, shopping therapy, um, and kind of removing the wound and just let it air out. And then we'll notice that just kind of uncovering it itself brings us halfway to healing. We spend a lot of time numbing ourselves, forgiving, forgetting our, forgetting our wounds because it, it, it hurts to process it and it's so much easier to forget it again by all those things, by numbing ourselves. So the, the biggest thing in this book is to slow down and to kind of look within. We have the power to heal ourselves. But it's when we're being vulnerable, not with a crowd of people, not at work or at church or in the community, but by ourselves in the mirror and then just saying, these are my wounds. My wounds, um, I don't wear them like a shirt. <laughs> they, they don't define me. I will air them out because airing them out and looking at them brings me halfway to healing. Oh, there's, okay. there's power in that. So with this type of air, so... With this type of illness that you're discussing, that you said your mom has a schizophrenia, I think you said it was, mm -hmm. which obviously is going to affect you growing up. And do you think that that was caused by her life experiences, things that's happened, or possible other issues that the medication is the only way of curing? I guess... I'm trying to figure out because this is going to lead to my next question is, do you also think that mental illness, because I know that I've talked with a gentleman before where some issues with the brain, he shows science can help fix problems with your, your brain with different ways that it operates and processes. Stuff. So do you think that the environment had a big part to play with, the situation because your mom's situation definitely had a effect on your situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, I believe because she had unprocessed trauma mm -hmm. and hurt, it, it, it evolved into a mental illness because she had nowhere to air it out. That, that, that I honest to God believe that she came here with young children, new language, new culture, still have not processed, war, death, trauma, poverty, and then on top of that, taking kids to school, cooking, cleaning, learning the language, not being able to, to care for her wound. She just kept dressing it and dressing it and dressing it. And then it got to a, a, a level when we were old enough where we didn't need her to like bathe us or put us in bed, mm -hmm. it manifested into an illness because then she was not that busy. In the past, she was constantly like mom, mom, mom duty 24 hours a day. Then mom duty kind of, you know, decreased. And then that's when it manifested into voices and she got extremely sick. And so for the longest I've debated with mental illness, you know, is it really a chemical imbalance? Is it brought through our environment? It, I think it's, it's a little bit of both. And can science and medication cure it? Yes. I mean, my mom is medicated right now. But right. in my book, 
you know, I talk about um, there were a few times where I took her to Ethiopia where she was having these manic episodes. She was not sleeping non-fast, non-stop. I was having panic attacks at work. I could not function. And I did not want her to go to the hospital because when she's in the hospital, if, if you know anyone who's been to a mental hospital, it's not the most happy place. You know, there's a lot of people sick and the, the doctor to patient rate ratio is huge. And so what they do is they medicate people. So people are walking there like zombies and the smell is just, so I thought to myself a few times, um, I don't want her to be subjugated to, to that type of treatment, you know? Mm -hmm. So we went to Ethiopia and I thought, mind you, I was not born in Ethiopia, but because I knew of Ethiopia, I know there's a lot of religious retreats and I, I in my infinite wisdom at that time, I said, okay, let's take her off of the medication. Let's, let's travel abroad where it's just going to be nature and prayer retreats. And every time we went there, we came back stronger. She was not 100% healed, but just being off of the medication, being in a different society, just being in nature and, and, and being immersed in like um, meditation and praying, mm -hmm. it helped. I mean, it helped, it helped me more than it helped her because she was not healed all the way. But it helped me to, to, to come back and, and, and deal with her sickness. Okay, so so with that, so do you still use like some of the things that you found when you were in Ethiopia that helped you heal yourself? The prayer, the meditations, the getting back out into nature. I know with COVID, that was hard to do to get out because everybody seemed to be trying to hide in their own little corners. Have you found that practicing those features are helping you? And do you discuss that in the book? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I kind of forgot about all those things for uh, a few years when I when I got back here. And it wasn't until COVID where everyone was scared to go outside. And I lived like five minutes away from Lake Michigan. So I'd walk to the beach and there'd be no one there. And I'd just sit in silence and hear the waves and the birds chirping and it, it it just centered me and gave me so much peace. So that became my daily practice, probably two or three times a day. Um, so it, it does help. I'm doing it now more than I did the years after I came from Ethiopia. And even now I, I try to go outside uh, once or twice a day. And sometimes it's just opening my front door and then just, just looking at the sky, just, just does something. Well, they say sunshine and fresh air is usually the best cure for a lot of things. Yeah. So now I know. Never heard that before. That's, that's good to know. Well, I know like one thing that I've talked with a lot of people and one thing like I have a exercise bike in my office that, because I need to make sure I get up and move because I can get wrapped up in my own world. Yeah. It's said that one, your brain works prop your you ever notice while you're out doing something while you're moving active your mind starts with ideas and different things to help that you're trying to solve problems they say that a lot of the interactions with the world a lot of exercise and movement tends to help your brain process everything else and it sounds like that's what you found as well and you've made it part of your standard um practice with getting up going outside even just looking outside for a little bit is there other things that you discuss that helps people and then 
I have some other questions I'm leaning in towards with the immigration side of it. Yeah. Like, what do you, what other things do you find that's helpful that you do or you address to help with mental illness? Yeah. I, I journaling was really, really good. Um, I had a therapist, not ashamed to say that I had a therapist, I had a life coach. I read a lot. I read more books in 2020 than I did from 2000 to 2019. Um, I found this quote that I really liked. Uh, Reading to the mind is what exercise is to the body. Right. You know, it just, I binged on all the good stuff. Like I was not on social media and Netflix, but I read a lot of books. I, I listened to a lot of podcasts and I found this quote early on during the pandemic that kind of helped me towards the, like this deep spiritual awakening that I had or conscious awakening. Once a student is ready, the teacher appears. So once I had a shifted mindset that oh, I'm not a victim and I'm always, you know, sad because I'm taking care of my mom and there's just always this cycle of healing her being mentally exhausted and then pretending like everything is okay by keeping myself busy. Once I found that quote, and I, again, I started to read, I started to listen to podcasts, everything around me became a teacher. So I, I, what I tell readers and anyone who has an open mind is just, just change, open your mindset to kind of learning. And Mm -hmm. and once you you are a student, literally the the teacher will appear. It's okay with mental illness to talk to a therapist, to get a life coach, you know, say, you know, you don't have the health coverage for you to get a licensed um, health coach. There's a lot of material um, online, on YouTube, where therapists are talking, life coaches have podcasts, there's books for free, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the library. So if, even if you don't have the resources to speak to someone one-on-one, there's a lot of free resources online. And it, and again, go back to the proverb, you know, just, just remove that Band-Aid and embrace that wound that you have and, and just embracing it and, and looking at it. And just it, it, there's there's power and not allowing that wound to kind of to pull you down. That, that's right. what worked for me. All right. It sounds like fantastic advice to me. So Thanks. what what effect as a immigration from an immigrant family do you think that is different that you had to deal with compared to, say, somebody that grew up in Chicago that's maybe third, fourth? 10th generation here in the country as a, I think you would be considered since you came here as a baby, I think you'd almost be considered a first generation. Yeah. Or, so with being a first generation, what do you think the difference between what you grew up with versus what other people had dealt with? Yeah, that's a good question. As a first generation immigrant, you know, versus someone that has, um, you know, or five generations, we have direct ties to the country. We have direct firsthand knowledge. If it, if it were peaceful times, we probably would not have a lot of difference. But when there's war and there's poverty and there's trauma, we have that firsthand information. So when there's a war and someone dies or we hear it in the news or my mom is talking about her childhood and how she was barefoot for most of her childhood and I can I can see the bruises on her feet where she lives without electricity and running water, I, I know all that information. So I carry her experience with me 
on every single day journey. So when I'm sitting next to a fifth grader or sixth grader in elementary school and the teacher says, you know, tomorrow is Thanksgiving, celebrate Thanksgiving. I, I have probably have to go home and explain Thanksgiving to my mom versus that person who already grew up celebrating it for generations. Now my mom, she knows Thanksgiving and she's the first one to remind <laughs> us of it. But we're talking about 25, 30 years ago right. where we were learning as a household about everything in America all at the same time. And sometimes I had to explain a lot more to my mom um, because she just didn't know all this information. So um, the difference between me and a fellow Chicagoan would be that firsthand direct knowledge, experience and exposure to what's going on in that home country or what we've experienced maybe when I went to Ethiopia uh, myself and what my parents have experienced. you mentioned having to explain like different American cultural things like Thanksgiving. I imagine Christmas, Fourth of July, um, Flag Day, whatever the because a lot of traditions aren't celebrated all over the world. Obviously, obviously Fourth of July, Flag Day, Thanksgiving are just American only cultural holidays. Christmas, I think, is celebrated in a lot of other countries, but not all over the world. Are those how was it for you? Do you think it put strain on you to have to go and explain it and try to help your mom and help your family embrace the different holidays of the American culture? And then do you think the Ethiopian, because I assume, and I'm assuming, so if I'm wrong, correct me, you also celebrated Ethiopian cultural holidays. Did those kind of conflict with each other and how did it feel to basically try to discuss those with your mom yeah i mean since we were kids you know um you probably experienced this with your kids it's very easy to kind of uh get your parents to do what you want right (laughs) so it was the the only resistance we've had growing up was with halloween because my mom's like no that's demonic we're not doing that that's (laughs) so But every other holiday, because, you know, you know, it's, it's on TV, it's on, you know, you go to the grocery store. So we actually grew up celebrating both. We're Christians. So the Ethiopian uh, church has a different calendar. We don't se- celebrate using the Gregorian calendar. It's a mm-hmm. different counting system. So basically we have Christmas, um, Easter um, and uh, other holidays, Christian holidays, Epiphany. But it's just not following the Gregorian calendar. So we grew up celebrating American Christmas, Ethiopian Christmas, American Easter. So I'd always, you know, be the first one to brag at work. Hey, I'm celebrating Christmas twice or I'm celebrating (laughs) Easter twice with you guys and then at home. So we've been able to embrace both. I mean, like I said, there was never a time where we came home and we said, we want to celebrate. It was this Halloween, she'd say. I'll bring you all the candies you want. You are not going to people's homes asking for candies. <laughs> um, you, you can dress however you want at home. And I just end up not liking Halloween because of that, which is which is totally fine. But my parents and especially my mom was very open with just kind of being a supportive mom and embracing the country that she's in, even though she really didn't understand it because she knew this is her home now. And so she did accept it. I understand. So now... How does that translate into, mind you, I hear the kids in the background, so I'm imagining you're raising your kids. How does that translate into what you went through, what you learned when you dealt with everything, and then into raising your children? Because now it's a 
you're the mother, you're the one that's exploring everything, and you're the one that has to explain and try to help them understand. How do you find that to be with everything you know now? What are you trying to do differently to help improve so they don't have the same issues you had? Yeah, thank you. Um, I only have one child. It's my husband playing with my our baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, kids, you got to be a baby to play with a baby. My baby's yep. going to be one years old soon. So right. it, it just so happened that I gave birth to this book right before getting married and then having a baby. To me, when I look at the grand picture, I believe it was it was uh, probably God's way of preparing me for motherhood to kind of heal myself and enable me to be a better mother and a better wife. So every every single day, I think about what I was, you know, what I was exposed to as a young child, the things we weren't allowed to talk about, um, not seeing my mom rest. My mom never had a self-care day. Mm. I never saw her do something for herself. It was feeding us, clothing us, dropping stuff off for other people. So right now, that's one thing I want to emphasize um, for my child or children in the future is it's okay to slow down. Just kind of, you know, what we're calling now trending mental health day. You know, shouldn't it doesn't even need a label like that. It's right. just literally self-care and slowing down, being in the moment. There's a lot that I want to uh, uh, share with him, but it's just a little too early. But I have a new mindset and I think... The birth of this book is just just the the timing. It's it's more than a coincidence. Well, sounds good. And trust me, I know how much time a little one can take considering I think mine is, I think today's the sixth, so she's just over seven months now. So so just standing, starting to try to walk. So definitely, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of my writing, I'm glad I got three books out before she was born because... That's great. Getting the other book out right now is almost impossible for most days. Yeah. So yeah. with that, do you find that um, you um, you find more hope in the future for your daughter than you find in yourself? Or do you think that the two of you together, your whole family together, is able to grow even more since you've learned? Yeah, it's the, the last one you said. It's a baby boy. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, um... We, we're we are a new family, literally a new family, and we have a, a new mindset. We may have been exposed and um, brought up with, with a lot of things that we can't control, but my husband and I are very, very intentional into every single thing that we do, um, everything that we bring into our homes, the circle of friends that we have, the type of energy that we operate with. Um, I don't want to, to, to carry the past trauma as a wound. I, I just take it as a learning experience. I, I like to say that things happen for a reason. You know, I believe in divine timing. I, I, all, the, all the difficult things and the secrets that I was able to talk about in this book became the purpose for this book. It became the purpose for me to release all of that. So um, it's the book is out. I have been renewed and I have a, a new mindset and um, my whole family is the same way myself and my husband. Well, that sounds wonderful. So I'm going to ask one final question before we end the conversation, but who do you think is going to be best served by this book? Because I can picture a few people, but 
I'm curious, who do you think would benefit from reading your book? Yeah, um, that's a good question. You know, from the title, you know, obviously it, it seems like, okay, immigrant mental health will help benefit an immigrant. But the principles, um, the, the, the things discussed in this book do not only pertain to immigrant people. These are human issues. These are life issues. These are feeling issues. So I think anyone who wants to focus on their mental health, um, anyone who wants to have a renewed mind and to grow um, will definitely uh, benefit from this book. If you have an immigrant background, then that's an added benefit because then you can look at this book and say, oh my God, that, that sounds like my mom or that sounds like my dad or that's like my experience. But overall, anyone who picks up this book um, it can really, really benefit from it because these are, these are human issues that we all can relate to. Sounds perfect. That's kind of where I was thinking as well. But I know some people, they have specific people they want to focus on. So, so with that, I want to say thank you for being on. I appreciate you being here. Where, other than authorblurb.com, where I have all the information you've given me there for people to find you, where do you find it's best for people to find you? Okay. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, this has been great. Um, I'm extremely grateful. I can be found at uh, my website, and it's almost the, the tagline of my, off, my book, immigrantmentalhealth.com. And then on uh, Instagram and Facebook, you can find me at immigrant.mentalhealth. All right, perfect. So thank you again. This is the end of the conversation for everybody else. But if you hold on for me for just a minute, we'll talk a little bit afterwards. Okay, thank you so much, Eric. Appreciate thank it. Thank you.